This podcast is made possible by the generous support of Lilly Oncology. Hello and welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast. I'm Jamie DiPolo, Senior Editor at BreastCancer.org. We're on location at the 2019 American Society of Clinical Oncology Annual Meeting in Chicago. My guest is Dr. Maura Dickler, Vice President of Oncology Late Phase Development in Eli Lilly and Company. Dr. Dickler is going to give us a summary of some of the most interesting and important breast cancer research that was presented at the conference. Dr. Dickler, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you, Jamie, and thanks for for having me uh, join you today. Um, It's really an exciting time. This is my second ASCO since I joined Lilly Oncology, um, and I'm finding it very um, interesting um, and really very exciting to to, um, be viewing the abstracts from the pharma side, so sort of a different eye to, uh, you know, what uh, I think is potentially interesting for the future. Um, I think that um, I, I would like to focus on women with metastatic breast cancer because I just came out of the metastatic session and I thought there were a number of interesting abstracts that we can um, touch briefly upon today. Um, I think I'd like to start with ER positive, HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer, um, as I think the abstract that made the biggest splash this year was Mona Lisa 7, which was a large trial um, in, in almost 700 patients, premenopausal women with ER positive, HER2 negative disease, who were rendered postmenopausal with a GNRH agonist. And then they were treated with endocrine therapy with either tamoxifen and an, or an aromatase inhibitor um, with the addition of ribocyclib versus placebo. And what this study showed was that not only was there a benefit in progression-free survival from about 13 to 24 months, but there was also a statistically significant benefit in overall survival with a hazard ratio of 0.71 with a statistically significant p-value. Um, And this is really the first study of the four trials looking at CDK4-6 inhibitors that that does show a statistically significant benefit in overall survival. Um, We already saw an OS benefit for Paloma-3, but that was not statistically significant, although the study was not powered for statistical significance, but there was a delta in the right direction. And then here we see another trial with a a benefit in, in OS that this time meets statistical significance. The median PFS for the control arm was about 40 months, and for the investigational arm, it was not yet reached. So the the delta not yet clear in the Mona Lisa 7 study. I think this is a great result for our patients, um, particularly premenopausal women who often have more aggressive disease, um, and we tend to render them postmenopausal as part of their therapy. I think it's also great for the class of drugs, um, and um, you know speaks well um, potentially for the uh, the potential efficacy of these drugs earlier. And there are a number of large adjuvant trials that are um, uh, ongoing, um, and we wait results um, from those studies. What we also saw was results from a trial called Young Pearl, which was a trial that was conducted in Korea that was also in premenopausal ER-positive HER2-negative women with metastatic breast cancer. And in this trial, they looked at a later line of endocrine therapy. It was exemestane plus palvocyclib, um, and they compared that to capecitabine. Uh, and all of the women, since it was a premenopausal trial, were also treated with a GNRH agonist to render them postmenopausal. And what I was really pleased to see was that the uh, endocrine therapy 
plus CDK4-6 inhibitor arm performed better than chemotherapy. I think that that is something that many physicians um, thought would might maybe be the case, and that's because uh, there are a, a group of women that you can maximize endocrine therapy, sometimes for many, many years, sequencing one agent after the other, also in combination with targeted therapies. But then when women ultimately need chemotherapy, there's a group of ER-positive women that don't respond that well or for very long, and you ultimately sequence through a number of agents, and you think, gee, I wish I had more therapy um, in, on the endocrine therapy side that I could offer, because it seems as if they respond best. And this really showed that. So exemestane um, plus a CDK4-6 inhibitor was better than capecitabine in, a, in really a third-line setting, and, and I actually think that that's uh, really a, a major advance for uh, premenopausal women and really postmenopausal women with metastatic disease. Um, there were other um, presentations focused on targeted therapy. I thought one of interest was uh, a study called Faction, which is looking at AZD5363, which is an AKT1, 2, and 3 inhibitor. And Can you explain a little bit what that means? Like, what, what, what would that mean to me if I'm like not a doctor. <laughs> sure, sure. So the PI3K pathway is a very important pathway in ER positive HER2 negative metastatic disease uh, and um, it's really the PI3K AKT mTOR pathway. Um, we already have uh, an mTOR inhibitor, Everolimus, that was shown in the Blero 2 trial to improve progression-free survival, and exemestane plus Everolimus is a standard of care option in the second to third line setting. Um, we also have a um, recent approval of Alpelisib, which is a, a, a PI3K alpha inhibitor that has been shown to improve progression-free survival in PIK3CA mutant ER-positive HER2-negative metastatic disease. Uh, and now this is another trial that's really showing the benefit of targeting this pathway. Um, AZD5363 improved progression-free survival in this group of patients, and it was an all-comer population. I think that that's really an interesting result. We do know that targeting that pathway it increases side effects, including hyperglycemia, diarrhea, and skin rash, and that was seen in this trial. Uh, I think that this is an interesting um, proof-of-concept study for this AKT1, 2, and 3 inhibitor. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that obviously larger trials to confirm the benefits that were seen in this randomized phase 2 study are needed, but I think that it's promising that um, AKT inhibitors may be uh, another class of drugs that are active. And there's also another AKT inhibitor that's in active investigation called apatacertib. So this was a, a, a really a second agent that has some data. And then I think I'd like to end on an interesting abstract that was reported in the first line setting for triple negative metastatic breast cancer, and that's the Impassion 130 trial. And that was a large randomized study of uh, women um, with triple negative breast cancer who had not yet received prior chemotherapy for the advanced stage setting. That was a study that gave a backbone of chemotherapy, which was a Braxane, um, and with or without a tezolizumab, which is an anti-PDL1 inhibitor. And the, the study enrolled all comers regardless of PDL1 expression, um, and so therefore the intention to treat analysis included all patients regardless of level of expression, and then they also looked at patients 
patients who were PDL1 positive using the Ventana assay. Um, and what this study showed was there was a definite benefit um, in progression-free survival that was really um, more significant in the PDL1 positive population. Um, and there was also a trend um, towards overall survival in the PDL1 expressors. So again, exciting news um, for um, immuno-oncology and immunotherapy um, in triple negative breast cancer. Um, this is really the only trial that shows activity of a PD1-directed agent. Unfortunately, a smaller phase two study in the ER-positive population looking at aribulin in combination with pembrolizumab was also reported today, and unfortunately, that did not show a benefit. So I, I think we're really um, at a interesting time. I think that the science has really informed um, targets um, where we've been able to design um, better drugs. I think that um, we have to take some of our clinical findings and go back to the bench to refine some of these things, maybe design trials where we can hit the target more effectively and reduce toxicity. But I think that we're really seeing the field move forward um, in both targeted therapy, in ER-positive disease, HER2-positive disease, and in immuno-oncology um, with triple-negative breast cancer. So I'd, I'd really like to thank you for this opportunity.